I went to a board game expo yesterday. Oh, neat. How was that? It was the uh, it was two thirds fun. Uh, the middle third wasn't okay. as great because I had actually signed up to teach people how to play the Digimon card game. And it appears uh-huh. that there are only three people in the city who care about the Digimon card game, and we already all knew how to play, so... <laughs> oh no! I mean, that doesn't sound terrible. <laughs> it wasn't terrible. It was the first time I was able actually to play the game pretty much ever. But it was a lot of sitting around and going like, so, uh, Ghost Game really went bad in the second half. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't that just the way? Yeah, but then I also got to learn how to play. There's a Binding of Isaac board game, which is okay, but it was fun. And I also got to play Seven Sorry, Wonders. A, a, a what? I didn't catch a, a what board game? Binding of Isaac. Oh, huh, huh. Yeah, and the guy teaching it, he was he was real good at teaching it. I didn't get confused, but he was like couching everything and was like, and everything is based very similarly to the video game, and we were all like. You've never played the video game. Oh, okay, well, all the things on the board game are, like, things from the video game. Okay, well, yes. we, we could connect those dots, but... <laughs> <laughs> and then I also learned how to yeah. play the game Seven Wonders, and I won it almost oh, by yeah. accident. Yeah, no, Seven Wonders is really solid. Yeah. It's got a lot of, like, good expansions, too. Oh, nice. And I have Seven Wonders, but I've never played it, because, like, I mentioned offhand to my cousins, like, yeah, I like board games, and they're like, great, and they gave me a bunch of board games, and then every time me and my friends were like, let's have a board game night, it just turned into Jackbox. <laughs> yeah, and, like, <laughs> Seven Wonders is, like, you gotta have, that's just, uh, that's pretty much just a two-player game, right? No, it's, like, a seven-player game. Oh, oh shit, huh. you're right, you're right, you're right. Huh. No, I, my experience with Seven Wonders is just that John is usually looking for, like, two-player board games that we could do together, and Seven Wonders popped up, so that's my only experience Oh, Oh, yeah, because mm-hmm. I, I was looking it up, they have, like, a special expansion that is, like, specifically for two players. Yes. Nice. It goes by really quickly, surprisingly, because, like, I was in a learning how to play, and the learning to play with all of us was, like, an hour, and then we played another game, and it took 20 minutes. Yeah, that would make sense. Once you have an idea of what the strategies can be, that would, I expected dominoes pretty rapidly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. How have you, y'all been? <laughs> <laughs> Not so bad. Went to a, uh, went to a, a Mariners game yesterday. It was nice. The second game of the season. Oh, nice. Yeah. Did not do so hot. (laughs) (laughs) But honestly, the Mariners will break your heart all the time. So that is just, uh, that's expected. But we basically found that there's like a thing where it's like, if you pay a certain amount in advance, then you get 10% off of ticket prices, but also it doesn't have any Ticketmaster costs. So we figured out we could do like five or six games for the whole rest of the baseball season and like be able to get like comfy seats in a good location and like that's basically a game a month so nice we're very excited also the stadium just has really good food yeah yeah (laughs) i haven't been to a sports game in person since before the pandemic Mm -hmm. (laughs) but i'm hoping to get to some of the at least one like soccer game Mm -hmm. this summer because i don't know how the men's team is but the women's team is apparently very good (laughs) Well, I mean, look, who cares about men's soccer? <laughs> it, it's it's all about the funky sports lesbians, frankly. Yes. <laughs> I would agree with that. Damn, I can't believe Lee never had a soccer lesbian. I say that as someone from the area where uh, Megan Rapinoe is, so. <laughs> <laughs> look, as far as soccer goes, 
you go to the men's league if you want to see dramatic theater kids playing sports. Mm. You go to the women's mm-hmm. league if you want to see blood on the field. Yeah. Yeah, when I went to visit Sims when he was still down in uh, in Durham uh, over in North Carolina mm-hmm. once, like, the uh, sort of the capstone of the weekend was a whole bunch of friends were getting together, and, like, capstone of the weekend was that he uh, he took a couple of us to a game, mm-hmm. to a women's soccer game, because it turns out he and his wife just got all fucked up on women's soccer. <laughs> <laughs> and it was great, actually. Nice. I was really gay. <laughs> <laughs> For all these soccer lesbians. I, I truly can't believe Glee never had a soccer lesbian. Except I can. Because it's Glee. It is Glee. Good segue, by the way. <laughs> yes. As we've mentioned before, Glee is the most homophobic gay show on Fox. Yep. Honestly, you could have just stopped and said it's the most. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of Glee for Glee in this episode. I think it's worth oh. at least three Glee episodes on its own. Yowza. Somehow I only have three pages of notes Only this entire episode. <laughs> I just creeped into three. I was very concise. Oh, mm. oh, oh, I got a I got a fiver, but a lot of them are bullet points with question marks on them. That's valid. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Okay. Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we riff the show, Tanner and Christine are gonna figure out why we love this show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening, you're listening to Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me. Willkommen bei Berlin Wimir, einen Glee-Rückblick und einem Wesensin-Podcast. Ich bin Tano und vielleicht sollte ich noch podcasten. My name is Christina and I'm going into prayer mode. Gosh, wow, I'm sorry. I, You know, I must have just walked into the wrong recording session. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I'll, don't don't get up. I'll just, I'll just go. <laughs> Hi, I'm Annie Creighton and I don't know what the f- fuck's going on uh, it's i'm sorry i'm sorry <laughs> quick cuss rating what should i censor myself to oh we we say fuck so yes. much i'm pretty oh, sure spectacular actually hang on actually i have to i have to ask about cussing because hey can i drop the c word at some point in this episode uh, uh <laughs> you get one maybe i'll use it well and you have to do a retake if we ask you to fair enough that sounds like a good rule yeah. But yes, this is, in case you don't speak German, this is Loser Like Me. It's the Glee podcast. <laughs> Once again, we inflicted upon one of our friends. I, me, wow. This sure was an episode of television. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had a flashback to this TV show I watched in the middle of that sentence. And then my, my voice went up and up. <laughs> <laughs> what? That's... That's a good segue into the questions we like to ask our guests at when they first appear, which is, what is your experience with Glee, the show, and or the extracurricular? Okay, um, so I was a theater kid in high school. I wasn't, a lot of my friends were choir kids slash musicals kids, mm-hmm. but I was, uh, I was in band for the half of the year in which the musicals were, so I was a marching band slash theater slash journalism kid. Nice. Uh, so I dabbled. <laughs> 
So I am. I was musical adjacent and choir adjacent, but never quite part of that myself. That's my cultural exposure to Glee. So I was aware of it existing, but I never watched a single episode before yesterday. <laughs> my closest exposure to Glee is one of my best friends, Mackenzie Weaver, my podcasting partner. We were going on a road trip from Seattle to Vancouver, BC to, ke- to see Carly Rae Jepsen in concert. And Excellent. she made a playlist that was all things that reminded her of our friendship, like an Inuyasha ending theme because of a bag she had when we first started hanging out. Dance magic dance from Labyrinth because we blasted it (laughs) once coming back from a covered bridge festival. The poke rap, of course, because of the time she took a five hour energy shot during a road trip to Florida and I woke up to her screaming the poke rap and turning me and then she announced that she could feel her teeth. Yeah, that's Mac. <laughs> this is this is just Mac. This is his quintessential Mackenzie lore. Mm-hmm. But this playlist also contains the thong song, and I don't know why. But I do know that she carefully oh, no. selected the version of the song that would annoy me the most, and it's the Glee version. And she's right. I do hate it a lot. Oh, no. <laughs> and also, I've watched the community episode of the Christmas Glee thing, like, several times. So that is combined. That is my Glee exposure. I remember, I've never watched the community episode, but I remember being very mm-hmm. incensed about it existing because they didn't properly understand the idea of Glee. <laughs> I watched it to the point where the phrase, let's let Britta sing her awkward song, just like has worked its way into my personal lexicon. <laughs> are there, yeah. are any of the songs in this episode, the awkward songs? Yes. I mean, I guess Yes. Every episode is Let's Let Rachel Sing Her Awkward Song. Mm-hmm. 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 There's so many awkward songs so. in this, in this, in this hour. I-, I can't believe this show's an hour long, by the way. <laughs> I would say at least two of them are, like, intentionally awkward. Two and a mm-hmm. half. I just, I would have, I would have expected from the premise of Glee, like, a 22 minute. No, it's a 42 <laughs> Yeah, no. Annie, would you rather have been on the episode that, oh god, I'm trying to think of what episodes we've, what's what's the most weird episode we've had this season? The weirdest episode? I think it is this one. I think this is the most this season. And I also think it's very well fitting for Annie. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I am a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Is it because of the incredibly overskilled special guest star that we get? (laughs) Or is it because- of the musical tribute that happens in the beginning or <sighs> I think it's just various bits and bobs, various elements that I was watching is like, oh, anyone like this? Anyone like this? I should message Annie and give her a contract warning about this. <laughs> just <laughs> to be safe. <laughs> contract warning about the student teacher stuff too. We're immune to it at this point because it doesn't fucking stop on Glee, but you know what? Just in case it gives yeah. her the heebie jibbies. <sighs> We should talk about this episode. <laughs> Let's, m- must we? We must. We have to power through it because we have to get to the best part of the season. Well, one of the best parts of the season. Mm-hmm. It's just, okay, okay. I need you guys to level with me just before we dive into this. Is there usually a point in which you can tell what the A, B, and C plots are? Or do they all usually have equal screen time fighting for dominance amongst each other? Because for the life of me, I can tell you what might be the a plot considering it leads out like the first act but i could not tell you for the life of me in terms of like what is given weight in screen time in this episode what's supposed to be the a b or c plot like it's all three a plots and they're all trying to be the whole episode 
This happens quite frequently. Ah! Usually it's only two A-plots fighting for dominance and then a B-plot. And I think rather than screen time, you're supposed to judge them based on which characters they're about. But these are- but at least two of these plots read like very special episodes. That's Glee. Yeah! (laughs) No! Listen, they didn't they didn't have time to stretch things out because they had to very quickly write a Whitney tribute episode. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. Yeah. They're like, oh, she passed away? That's so sad. We better rearrange our schedule for it. Mm. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. The episode begins with Rachel declaring herself a powerful nebula and basically reenacting all of her most heinous traits from season one. I just need to say that my first note proper for this episode was Rachel is space gas. (laughs) Because she just, like, she goes on this monologue, like Tanner said, about how, like, she is a nebula, and nebulas are how stars are formed when they're put through immense pressure and subjected to the pressure of a black hole, and then a star is born. And for one thing, I'm glad that she was maybe paying attention in science class. Congratulations, Rachel. But as she's doing this, we get a montage of her, like, preparing for her audition for college. And I just want to note that when she's doing the elliptical in her bedroom, while fixated on this collage of, like, New York and Barbara Streisand and words of affirmation, she's doing the elliptical backwards. <laughs> okay, that wasn't just my brain playing tricks on me. Okay, good. Yeah, she no, was she going was, backwards. <laughs> she was going backwards. Because she, she has to practice uh, walking backwards and then instinctively dodge people who are now metaphors for struggles in her life. Intense sandwich board hallucinations on this one. Yes. She she dodges a person wearing a sandwich board that just says the word it's bird or a stalker. And this this isn't harsher in hindsight <laughs> yet, but the way things are going, I'm worried it will be one day. Oh no. And also Finn is like her assistant, but she can't have milk and she can't kiss him because those could cause infections. He does do like timed drills timed tests on how fast she could make different expressions. (laughs) Actually, how often does Glee have a plot where some kids come down with mono? Because that happens alarmingly frequently in high school theater and musical theater. Oh, that was last season. Yeah. Oh, cool. They had a mono episode last season and then a laryngitis episode the season before. Oh, okay, Um, sure. Because it wasn't about, oh no, I have mono and I can't sing. It was... Oh no, I have mono, and she has mono, but it's the kissing disease, so the only way they could have gotten mono if they were kissing, but they're not supposed to be together. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. Honestly, that does sound like the spring musical lead-up drama in <laughs> high school, so I will say that one does sound accurate, yeah. It also contains Santana dressing up as a candy striper and declaring, I've had mono so many times to turn into stereo, so... <laughs> okay, well that part might be stretching it. It's gauche. <laughs> The other A-plot that we find out during this montage, I think, because, like, Finn is briefly distracted by his homeboy, because Puck's there, and he's, like, he's flirting with a girl saying, yeah, I'm gonna fail high school, and it's gonna be great, because I can hang out with younger girls. Which is, listen, we know, it's Puck, and it's the actor, and we know, and it's gross, and we know. Yeah. Okay, okay, how old is this actor, actually? Because my ballpark is, like, 33. Yeah, I'm not gonna look it up, I think you're right, and he definitely looks it. That sounds about right. Yeah. Because yeah. this is, I mean, 
you know, it, it, on some level, it is more comforting in, say, Into the Woods when the uh, actor playing Red is traditionally played by an adult woman. Yeah. It mm -hmm. makes Hello Little Girl a little less creepy. Mm -hmm. So I guess that makes this whole plot with this dude a little bit better because he is clearly an adult <laughs> man. He is even more of an adult man than adult men playing teenagers on TV usually are. Yeah. yeah. It's like, we, oh, we truly have to vacillate wildly between this is an 18-year-old, and so every time he says it's totally fine for me to bang a teacher, that's a red flag. But also, this man is clearly an adult man. Yes. <laughs> this is a dude who pays taxes. He does. Yes. <laughs> but he also says, and I quote, gowns are for ladies and tassels are for strippers. So that's fun. Yeah. That's glee. <laughs> You, you wouldn't be in the fandom, so you wouldn't know that every time Puck says something mildly homophobic, people just said, actually, this is a sign of his internalized biphobia. And it's like, no, we've already done the internalized stuff with a different character, and it was better. Did, stop. Stop trying, to, <laughs> stop trying to queer Puck. It's not going to work. I don't. No. I, I just. No. 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 I think this is, just a, this is just a straight teen who's very horny and stupid. Truly. Tr that's yep. the episode. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But yeah, so Finn doubles back. He's like, hey, Puck, are you actually dropping out of high school? And he's like, no, I was just doing that to, like, get her into me. Because I'm actually, I've already got all my classes I'm going to pass, except for European geography. A class that many high schools in America take, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, just the one, just European geography. Just European. Not world geography. Not, not like, U.S. geography. Yeah. As we've established before on this show... The people who wrote Glee were years removed from high school and college and had no idea what any of the curriculum was. Like, like mm. <laughs> I mean, in, in hindsight now, I see how painfully this whole plot was written hinging around one musical bit yeah. that yeah. comes later in this episode. I think the writers were well aware that European geography is not a class, but they're like, how else can we justify this? Like, it is very, it is painfully I written backwards, but also it's like, it's not even, the payoff isn't even that good, and I don't know if it's actually, like, worth the incredibly dramatic hoops they have this character jump through <laughs> for that. Yeah. I started yelling when that musical beat happened. <laughs> <laughs> yelling. Oh, we'll get there. We're, we'll get there. Um... Anyways, P oh, yeah. Puck clarifies to Finn that, like, his plan to pass European geography, he doesn't have to study. He's just gonna fuck the teacher. Mrs. Dusenberry. Yeah, we flash back and the teacher's like, Puck, do you have an answer to this question? He's like, no, I was distracted by your beautiful eyes or something like that. And she's like, uh-huh, okay, whatever. Oh, no, it's worse. He was talking mm -hmm, about, mm -hmm. he, yeah, 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 mm -hmm, no, mm -hmm, he was like... Mm -hmm. Oh, the water is so wet. Oh, yeah. Do you, do you get it? I... Do you get it? It's like, it's like, it's yeah. like your puss. Do you get it? <laughs> yeah. If he was talking about how dreamy her eyes were, that would at least be something. But instead, it's just kind of gross. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. And then we cut over to where Brittany is meeting with some of the girls. And she's mm -hmm. just like, Hey, I've just been, as student body president, remember that subplot about student body president elections that took up the first half of the season? Well, this is the first time we've referred back to it, and I won. I've mm -hmm. just been informed that we need a prom again, so I want the theme to be alien abduction. <laughs> what? Yeah. Wow, that has already just escaped my memory entirely. 
beautiful. <laughs> yeah. The, the reason I have it noted down is because I also had to note down in the same blurb, we're only three minutes into the episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And that includes the previously on. This episode is so much. It keeps happening. It is. There is so much television programming happening right now. Truly. Really. They just try to cram in so much per episode. This episode is just overflowing with, I'm not going to call it plots. Content? Scenes. <laughs> mm. Events. Mm-hmm. A script occurring at some juncture. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> There's just a lot on screen. There is. And it, yeah. and, and it does not light up. Yeah. It was bewildering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways, this is the scene where we get our third A-plot because Coach Beast, oh, Annie, BT dubs. In a later season, Coach Beast comes out as a trans man, and so we've been referring oh. to him with he, him pronouns because we consulted oh. some people mm-hmm. on what we should do. So just mm-hmm. so you know. Okay, dope. Thank you. So Coach Beast comes by, and he's got a black eye, and Santana makes a joke about his husband getting frisky or something. Yeah. And then Coach Roz Washington, played by Real Housewife Nene Leakes, and also a bronze damn Olympic medalist. And mm-hmm. also current mm-hmm. um, synchronized swimming coach is, is her job yes. at the school. She comes up, she reads them the riot act on how, hey, don't make jokes about that. That's a terrible thing to make jokes about. And then she tells mm-hmm. Beast mm-hmm. to write down these names as placeholders. Hat Rack, Asian Horror Movie, Oprah, Rojo Caliente, and Salsa Caliente. This situation is mildly racist, like all things Glee. Yeah, so are the teachers yeah. just usually, like, casually racist and incredibly, like... It's not just the teachers. Uh. What I was gonna say is, it's mainly, on the teacher's part, we get we usually get it from two of them. It's Coach Roz and Sue Sylvester. Yeah, because she calls her Black Sue at some point, which is like, I mean... Yes, I also laughed at a joke in C-Lab 2021 at some juncture, but I don't know if it should keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because the full sentence is, Black Sue, I've been sending your photo to ivory poachers. Yeah. There's just a lot there. Yeah. There's a lot to unpack that I don't, I I just, I feel like the people who wrote a lot of these jokes just kind of tossed it off the top of their head and just sort of said, done, call it a day, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Annie, there has been, especially in the last, say, three or four years, there's been quite the resurgence of analysis and cast members, especially cast members of color, Mm. who were on Glee speaking out about how racist and shitty working on the show was sometimes. Cool, 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 cool. Awesome, great. So uh, Ryan Murphy and Fox need to pay reparations to every cast member of color who were on the show. Yep. Mm -hmm. So that Amber Riley can just stuff all that money in her trophies that she's won. (laughs) (laughs) And then we flip it around and Roz says, like, I'm happy to joke about uncomfortable topics all the time, such as how your Batwing baby is going to fly back to hell as soon as it's born. And hey, that's also a weird joke because at this point, it's public knowledge that Sue's baby is going to have Down syndrome. Oh my god, what? Yeah. The the too long didn't read Annie is that Sue Sylvester has a younger sister who has... Well, had at this point, she had a younger sister who has Downs. Uh Uh-huh. And Sue found that out. Was it last episode, Tanner, or the one before that? Uh, It was the disco episode, I believe. Okay. So she found that out recently and is determined that, you know, she's going to be, you know, treating her child with, you know, as much dignity and respect and love as possible. Uh And, like, there's never been any question of whether Sue is going to is going to do her best to be a mom to her kid. But there has been quite a lot of 
attempts at quippy one-liners about how, wow, you're old. You shouldn't be having kids because it's a geriatric pregnancy. <laughs> yeah, they're definitely all cheesy crazy. Yeah. All, all of this is to say that they will joke about that stuff until the cows come home, but domestic violence is where they draw their one line, I guess. Yeah. You can excuse racism? Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> and then Will comes in and they're like, hey, Will, did you know that your girls are joking about domestic violence? And he's like, what? What? My kids? What? Yeah. Teens do joke about domestic assault. That is that is something that, that teens do. That is Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we should also mention that Coach Beast is also there. Yeah, so he gets to be that here for that whole conversation, which is super cool. For well, him. he especially gets to be there when when Coach Roz and Coach Sue tell Will that they're going to do something about his kids making jokes about domestic violence. <laughs> yeah, they are seizing direct control of the Glee Club for this week. I think this last time Will appears in this episode, mm -hmm. but that's nice. Good. Or no, he shows Second up to in the background time. of the auditions. <laughs> the dude, like, shows up in the background of the auditions, but yeah. Which is okay, good. Okay, so, so these other teachers are not normally in charge of the Glee Club, yes? Correct. Okay. In this, the second half of season three, Sue Sylvester has appointed herself assistant coach of the Glee Club because okay. she has won many cheerleading competitions and her helping them to win their nationals competition oh is the condition on which she regains sole control over the cheerleading squad. Why not? Money. And then the judge rules that one of them has to be her butler for the week. <laughs> Why not? Yeah. Why not? You know what else? Why not? Why not have a, a music of the night moment? Why not have a gentle baby voiced angel singing a song for somebody <laughs> with a much lower range? I just wrote down because like we have cut to Kurt Hummel singing music of the night from Phantom of the Opera. And I just wrote down that Kurt theater kids around the stage with an incredibly un unenthusiastic Tina playing the part of Christine. <laughs> Like, there's a whole set for this, for this audition. There's a whole set that he's uh -huh. got. They've uh -huh. got somebody in the booth with lighting cues. Mm -hmm. And, mm -hmm. like, people are mic'd. They've got costumes. What is happening here? <laughs> Even High School Musical <laughs> had less of a to-do about auditions. And that whole movie was about callbacks. This is just that one drill treat about, like, I like I need help with my budget. <laughs> and I spent millions of dollars on candles. Yeah. How yeah. about if you buy less candles? <laughs> help me. My glee club is starving. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to, okay, to be fair, he's putting all of this like showmanship into it because this is the audition for the universe, the Ivy League University of Musical Theater that yes. does not exist in real life. That's great, but that usually doesn't involve roping in the crew. It always any musical number. Anglia <laughs> does. <laughs> they can they can also afford to do that because they're being funded by the money that Kristen Chenoweth's character inherited from her dead roller rink mogul husband. One more again. They are able to afford to do all this stuff because of the money that Kristen Chenoweth's character gave the, to them after she inherited. Now, now it say from this her, part slowly. From her what? Her roller rink mogul husband. No, not husband. Her affair partner. Oh, that's right. Was she was money. the side piece. <laughs> Uh huh. Oh, season one, baby. Anyways. I mean, shit, whatever gets the theater the budget. Yeah. <laughs> but also, do they ever actually show the people that are in the booth? 
No. These, no. these poor bastards that have gotten roped into doing elaborate light rigs for these people. I think it's assumed that it's the jazz band. The jazz band was roped in early on and now they've, I don't know, they're under a geas or something. And so they're trapped for alternative. <laughs> yeah, that would be the only reason I could, I could see to bring, to roll those timpanies out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, Tina's got a huge perm. <laughs> it, it's a wig, I think. Because I think Rachel wears the same wig later. Fair enough. And, like, real quick, just about the musical performance in general, like, music of the night, it's fine. I don't know, like, Chris Colfer is singing it in his tenor range. He has the lower range to be able to sing it in as a baritone, but he's singing it in a tenor because that's what they want Kurt Hummel to be. And the whole reason that Kurt is doing this rehearsal with all of the spectacle is because he is trying to be ahead of the curve so that he can have the best chance of getting into musical theater college. And his boyfriend, Blaine, is in the audience and is like, please, we can't keep doing this, Kurt. I can't afford to buy you more pillar candles to increase the ambience of your number. Yeah, he's trying to think of ways to give himself more pizzazz, like sequining his cape or singing in German or singing in the nude. And they're just like, no, no, honey, please. And Tina's like, yo, can I go? No, 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 I want to go back to Naked Sequin Jazz Phantom. <laughs> Andy Doves would love that. Yeah, don't say it too loud. <laughs> shit, shit, we got like a fourth version of Love Never Dies coming out probably now. <laughs> oh, we forgot, to, oh, we got to say when this episode aired, on account of the, and I say that only because this episode did air May 1st, 2012, written by Martin Oxen and directed by Michael Uppendahl. So it is over. Thank you. <laughs> really? Marty Noxon wrote this? Marty Noxon wrote the domestic violence parts and the rest was the writer's room. I'm going to say. I'm going to declare. Why does Marty Noxon sound familiar? Has she done episodes before? Marty Noxon is generally believed to be the person who wrote all the things in Buffy that you like. Huh. Interesting. She did officially side with the cast who said Joss Whedon is a terrible person. Good. Correct. Speaking of terrible people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you can segue into any scene with that. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> But specifically, this is Puck. He has arrived in the teacher's classroom. The single classroom set they keep redressing for different subjects. Exactly. I mean, the, the, you high school classrooms aren't exactly individually unique, so that's fair. No, it's just funny that Glee was making as much money as they did and they couldn't afford to build more than one classroom set. That's how they made so much money. <laughs> and by not paying people. Puck is there and he's like, Eleanor, I've wanted you since ninth grade, ever since I saw you at that canned food drive for depressed Hawaiians. Displaced Haitians, yeah, whatever. it turns out. So, yeah, so let's backtrack to that. So that's like a, a 14, 15 year old boy. Yeah. yeah. Being like, I'm in love with you. I want to have sex with you. No, sweetheart. Honey gem jewel, <laughs> no. <laughs> I just had this scene muted, so I was relying on the closed captions. Okay. He gives like... Some kind of caress, I believe. I think he kind of like sucks on her neck a little. He tries to neck on his oh, on his does. teacher. Oh. Yeah. And she's like, "Hey, now, I may be recently divorced and incredibly lonely, but I can't be bought." And Good also, teenage boy. Yeah. Oh, no, sweetheart, no. Yeah, that's disconcerting. That it's like, hey, if it was the summer, I'd be down. But it's like, also, look, have you seen an actual teenage boy? 
I mean, I have. They, and yes. they, they look they pretty good. They don't look like 35-year-old men. <laughs> See, the thing is, I have seen some pretty good-looking teenage boys, but also I was one when I saw that, so maybe I was skewed. Yeah. Like, Annie, I need you to know that this is the second time this season that Puck has had a plot about seducing a teacher. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. Yes. The first time it was Idina Menzel. Really? Yeah, the, fr- the first time he was trying to seduce Rachel's biological mother and the adoptive mother is the daughter that he had with Quinn, who doesn't appear in this episode because uh, uh, Diana Agron couldn't give a shit. Uh, well, we can say I'm, it again slowly. I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, you know, you know, that's fine. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just let that one fly out the window. That's the correct decision. Yeah, it's, n- it's no longer important in this season. Mm-hmm. She's gone. Dina Menzel, though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of raunchy jokes I could make there about voices, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> not here. That's a hard choices thing. Fair <laughs> um, yeah, Puck is like, oh, there's no other way that I can pass this test. And the teacher says, you could study. He's like, no, I'm too stupid. Also, any teacher at this point would say, uh, extra credit. Yeah, no. Extra credit assignments. Extra credit assignments to buff up your grades. Uh. This is a common thing. That's how I pass calculus. And okay, the, to be fair, yeah. she does give him extra credit later in the season. Later? Later in the season. Okay. Yeah. Oh, okay. Huh. But I imagine that she doesn't do anything right now on the kind of fact that she's incensed that he just tried to seduce a grade out of her. Yeah. It's yeah. just like, this is this is just like how it goes. Anyone who's in college or doing any kind of studying at the moment listeners listen all you have to do is go to office hours talk to your teacher and be like hey i'm having trouble with this and i am putting forth an effort but i am struggling and teacher gonna cut you a break Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. hopefully there are very few teachers who want students to fail yeah nine times out of ten unless your teacher is just an old tenured dick bag which can definitely Mm -hmm. happen but the ta might be Mm -hmm. better yeah, I had three of those. <laughs> After I graduated, one of the three mean-spirited bullying professors that I had in my college arts program uh, had an actual, I don't know if it was a Title IX, but <laughs> there was an actual like case within the university that was brought against him because he was bullying students so much, and I think he left <laughs> or was made to leave. <laughs> yeah. Because it, it, was, it was just... They were three extremely pessimistic and narcissistic artists from communism era Eastern Europe. (laughs) (laughs) All of whom hated technology. Oh, excellent. (laughs) I'm glad they're gone. Um, All of this is to say that, like, yeah, there's definitely teachers who, if you, like, explain that that, that you're struggling in private, they will do something to help you. But, like, there are also many teachers who, like, actually sucks the sucks, kid. Teenagers are inherently terrible, so if they're failing, it's their own fault. Learning disabilities aren't real. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, at least give it a shot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and try not to fuck your teacher. Try not to fuck your teacher. Just don't. <laughs> Just don't fuck it's your teacher. It's easy. <laughs> Just say no to fucking your teacher. Do yeah. not do a clamp. <laughs> <laughs> Just say no. The episode title. Just say no. Anyways, Puck does decide to just say no to school in its entirety. Through song! Through song! He he bursts into an extremely middling cover of School's Out. 
Okay, here, yeah. here's the wild thing. It's like, it's so weird the way this transition happens because it is just suddenly he ramps up to, I hate school and I hate you, runs out, and then it smash cuts to the musical number. Like, there's not even any lead up or any, like, building of feeling that's like, oh, mm-hmm. he, he can't talk anymore because he feels so much, so he has to sing. It, there's not, like, there's not Annie. a smooth transition there. It just happens. Yeah. Annie, I think you are holding Glee to too high of a standard of art. <laughs> I'm holding Glee to the standard of how musicals work. And I feel like after three and a half, th- like two and a half seasons at this point, it should probably have picked up some of the bones. Like, I know no. like the high school musical style musical was really popular for a while there, even though a lot of times it didn't actually like have a lot of the feeling of being like. High School Musical has portions where it feels more like a series of music videos intercut with drama rather than musical numbers in a way that I can't Mm -hmm. quite Mm -hmm. articulate. But, like, this is the same kind of thing. And I know that this is the early aughts and this is popular, but... Yeah, this is... Well, yeah. There are many numbers in the series that, like, they'll take place in the mindscape or half in the mindscape, half in real life. And this is one of Mm -hmm. them. Yeah, and, like... like, Honestly, it feels like some of the other ones in the episode function a little better going between, like, diegetic and non-diegetic. But this one is just, like, this one is the worst transition. Yeah. Because, like, as Puck storms out of the classroom, he immediately is in the non-diegetic part of the music because he just, like, is shoving people out of frame and then they're standing back up in, like, punk rock outfits. With, like, eyeliner lines all over their faces vests with spikes on them and we then cut to them in like the glee room where everybody is looking appalled and he gets on like a moped or something and revs it and then rides it out of the classroom through the hallway and onto the football field and i do need to tell both of you that the year after i graduated my high school principal did ride into the beginning of the school year pep assembly on a motorcycle. Wow, how do you do, fellow kids? <laughs> did he did he then get off of the moped, take a folding chair, spin it around and sit backwards? I I do not remember because I only heard about it secondhand from my brother and my cousin, <laughs> but I think the general consensus was wow. She's really trying hard to be relatable. Why did she do this inside? And that's very much what this whole musical number feels like. It feels like it is written by a bunch of like 40-year-old guys who have never actually like, who who don't really know what counterculture anti-establishment looks like, but they're pretty sure jackets are involved. And yep. rock guitars? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you throw mm-hmm. the guitar. And then you throw <laughs> the guitar and you light it on fire? And you light it on fire. And Annie, that's the writer's room, I'm pretty sure. Is is an electric guitar really that flammable? Because I don't think it is. I think that's a whole bunch of plastic and metal-coated strings. Uh, Maybe he borrowed some lighter fluid from Santana from when she committed arson in the season premiere. Hmm. Hmm. Does the guitar represent yeah. high school? Because I thought the guitar represented anti-establishment. Why does he light the guitar on fire? What's what's the what's the visual drama. there? It's the drama. It's the internalized biphobia. I see. Is it? <laughs> I don't think it is. I'm just not getting that vibe from that guy. I'm just not getting that vibe. I don't love to make characters bisexual, but I, I, I'm just not seeing it. It's 
See the 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 main the main reason it kept happening was because there was only one there was one singular gay in the first season, and so everyone mm-hmm. was like, which of these currently existing characters will have a moment and realize that they should be dating Kurt? And the answer was none of them. <laughs> we introduced Blaine, and then he ate the show. Um, so. <laughs> Ladies, I realize this room is America's number one destination for cheap, sappy moralization, but your insensitive behavior is about to subject you to a whole new level of preachiness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Suso declares to the five Glee girls, we never actually established who they are. It's Brittany, Tina, Santana, Sugar, and Mercedes. Yeah. And like, I will say that Tina and Mercedes... Actually, no, I don't think any of them were really, like, laughing along when Santana made the joke about domestic violence, but maybe they were like, we need to have... A group of multiple people so that we can do a musical number yeah, later yeah. in this yeah. episode. <laughs> it's giving these characters something to do so you don't have to give them more to do in other episodes. And you know what? I'm okay with that because that also means that we did not have to involve Rachel Berry in this plot. <laughs> oh, yeah. I gotta tell y'all though, like, I love the transition here from doing a musical number of Schools Out and then cutting directly to a somber discussion on why domestic assault is not a joking matter it feels a lot like the kind of like the the thing where you sit there and you wonder if this piece is actually equipped to handle these kinds of like much more morally complicated and dramatic subjects much in the Mm -hmm. same way that you get that same vibe from lost.jpg (laughs) (laughs) or perhaps the follow-up comic later on in that story arc where the girl comes home from the hospital after having her miscarriage and the guy sadly throws in the trash a baby-sized xbox controller (laughs) which is a real strip that happened and people never believe me when i tell them that oh my god yeah it, it's that same kind of like, is this little musical jokes and japes show equipped to talk about domestic assault? They're gonna try. <laughs> They're gonna try. They're gonna give it the old college <laughs> try. Yep. <laughs> so they, they say like, yes, we, are, we have assumed our control of the Glee Club because uh, of the joke that Santana made about the domestic assault earlier. And mm-hmm. Sugar and Santana mm-hmm. pointed out like, wow, Sue, you're one to talk because you're a heinous bitch. Cool. Which yeah. is These true. are the jokes, folks. I mean, I'm not going to say they have a point, but it is true that Sue is consistently not a very nice person and does make a lot of off-color jokes constantly. And the fact that she is constantly making off-color jokes, including in this very episode, really makes it hard to believe that she's on the up and up when she says, actually, this time I'm serious. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a cry wolf situation here. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. bullying is bad unless I do it, because then it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And like, so her her way to teach the girls, and I feel like this plot doesn't actually follow later on in the episode, so, so tell me if I have got this right. What I understand is that the assignment that these girls have to fully understand domestic assault is to take a song that casually references domestic assault and rewrite the song to being one about female empowerment to show that they understand the gravity of domestic abuse by singing about it. Is, is, that, is that what the assignment was? Yes. Yeah, more or less. Uh, but they don't rewrite anything. They don't. They don't. And th- they, they don't even get in the vicinity of that with either songs yeah. that they do for this. I mean, the ones that they do do are, uh, cringe. <laughs> do do. But, like... <laughs> They're, they're incredibly cringeworthy, 
but also maybe maybe they're better than the world in which we had to see some lyric rewrites about female empowerment from what is probably not a very lady-centric writer's room. Yeah. You would be correct. I will say that also during this scene, when they're trying to explain the gravity of the situation, Roz does share a story about her aunt who was stuck in an abusive relationship and yeah. all the stuff like how she would make excuses for the guy, how the guy was really nice to everyone, but he was mean to her behind closed doors, how it took her a trip to the mm-hmm. hospital and the ICU to actually consider leaving the guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this this entire time, by the way, they've been operating under the assumption that Beast like was not hit at home. It was just an accident at the gym where the punching bag hit him in the eye, and that's why he has a shiner. Yeah, which is what he says. <laughs> that's what he gave as a fairly matter-of-fact explanation to the other teachers. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so th- this is all about how, like, yeah, they, like, don't even joke about it. even if it didn't happen, and even if how you don't think any of your boyfriends would do it, it's you need to understand that people who do get stuck in that situation, it could be incredibly hard for them to leave because they they can easily fall into this loop of justifying why it's okay. Or they are never mm-hmm. believed by other people, or even they don't feel like they would ever be believed. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is actually the part that is deeply buried in all of this nonsense of this episode. That is the nugget <laughs> that is actually useful information here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now that I think about it, there is no situation where someone is not believed when they claim it. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Because on the one thing, it's great that whenever someone says, hey, I'm in a abusive relationship, everyone immediately believes them. But on the other hand, they never even mention the fact that like, hey, sometimes the biggest hurdle is the disbelief. Yeah. So it's uh, it's not as bad as it could have been. Could have been. It's not bad. Period. But could have been better. Yeah. Yeah. Could have been a lot better. Yeah. But mm-hmm, also, mm-hmm. and again, like it is. Is this the medium to impart this message? Is this the show that has the chops to talk about it? Especially yeah. as one of three a plots vying for dominance. Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. If you're gonna do a special episode. At least give it the appropriate amount of runtime in your episode time allotment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like we'll get that next season with at least one episode that I can think of. Maybe. <laughs> I, I've said many times that when Glee is good, it's, it can be pretty good. But also when Glee is bad, it really drags everything else down. So. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes finding the good in Glee requires some surgery, requires some autopsy. <laughs> some fan fiction. Oh, fan fiction? Don't get me started on the fan fiction. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're going to be here all day if we talk about fan yeah, fiction. Yeah, so let's, let's talk, talk about fan fiction. Let's talk about hair gel. Yeah. Because we cut to all of the boys except Kurt in the locker room, where I don't know why, but Mike goes up to Blaine and asks him for advice about gelling his hair, and Blaine gives just some random hairdresser talk that I didn't even bother to write down. Remember when hair gel was a big thing, kids? Amongst the yes. teens? Among the youths? Would you believe that yeah. this conversation is actually foreshadowing for Blaine's subplot next episode? No. <laughs> yeah. Because, spoil- spoilers for next episode, but the prom turns out to be dinosaur themed and Brittany bans hair gel because it did not exist in dinosaur times. And Blaine gets really self-conscious about what his hair looks like without the hair gel. Wait, 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 wait. Okay, okay, no, okay. Uh, wow, I'm, I'm just, uh, there's so much to, uh, uh, th- th- no, 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 there's no, there's no time. Lots of things didn't <laughs> exist in dinosaur times. <laughs> so many synthetic, fe- cotton, cotton weed. Uh, <laughs> Tanner, you broke Annie. <laughs> Dino, how, 
the dinosaurs, Tanner. <laughs> They're not bad. She sings Dinosaur by Kesha, and then they play Walk the Dinosaur in the background of one scene. What do the dinosaurs on the decorations look like? I'll, let me do a gook. Let me do a gook. <laughs> I think they're Power Rangers level of biologically accurate. We didn't have penicillin in dinosaur times. What are you talking? Hair gel. <laughs> I remember that there's a big triceratops that they can ride for prom photos. That actually sounds pretty Damn, cool. Damn, I wish that were me. I think it was diamonds in the dusk. I'm just, I'm getting like, I'm That's getting a Kingdom like Hearts flashbacks to like the dino land in Mitchell versus the machines with the big weird brontosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, actually, I've, I've found some pictures. They're not, they're not actually that great. Mm. Oh no. Mm. Dinosaur hair gel. Are they allowed to wear clothes? <laughs> yes, but but uh, Brittany does yes, serve minors. some Bam Bam Chic during her musical number. Oh, so we're doing some real, like, teen pebbles and Bam Bam shit, huh? Just just for one scene. No, 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 no. I don't care. No, I don't. I don't. I do not care for this. I don't like it. It's like it. a Rainforest Cafe dinosaur. Oh, actually, that Rainforest Cafe dinosaur does exist. It's called T-Rex, and there's only one of them in uh, in Orlando, Florida. Huh. Every 20 minutes, there's a meteor shower. I ate there once, and, I got to, <laughs> and we were meeting a party, and I got to text them my favorite text of all time, which is, we're in the ice cave next to the Parasolophus. Oh, my God. I have to go there. I have to go there. There's a Build-A-Bear with dinosaurs. It's real good, actually. I have to go there next time I go to see my family in Florida. Yes. <laughs> Did you know that you can get a RuPaul Build-A-Bear now? I don't want one. Too bad. Hmm. You say too bad as though one is contractually <laughs> obligated to get the roof off build a bear. It's coming for you. Hmm. Oh. Anyway, I apologize. <laughs> I apologize for not being able to let this go. No, you're good. We should probably get back to this television program. Yes, this episode, not the next episode. Okay, so when in the locker room scene, Finn is like, Guys, have you noticed anything? In this room, and then Sam, a lovely himbo, outstanding heterosexual, he's like, Dude, you finally dropped the last five pounds, and they start a slow clap. Bless. Yeah. It's like, no, Puck is missing, and he hasn't been talking to anybody. He hasn't even been showing up in the Call of Duty lobby. We need to stage an intervention so that we can get Puck to graduate high school. So is this implying that he hasn't been going to school or he hasn't been going to extracurriculars? He hasn't been coming to school in the past, I guess, 24 hours? Eh. It's very unclear how much time has passed. Yeah. Yeah, that's glee. Hmm. Joe the Christian Dreadlock Boy declares that he's going into full-blown prayer mode. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's just his whole shtick then? Yes. He, he won a reality yes. show because of it. Why not? Yeah. He won the reality show because of stealing somebody else's shtick. <laughs> Sweetheart, don't do that to your hair. Well, that was Ryan Murphy's yeah. fault. I mean, not the hair, but the <laughs> no, well, was Ryan it was kind of Ryan Murphy's fault because apparently he wanted to cut it like shortly after he got on the show, and they're like, "No, that's your whole character. You have to keep it." No, sweetheart, cut, cut, cut. Don't do white dread. Don't do white locks. Don't. He do did. It. I cut think. It. Cut it. it. Eventually, it's bad. It's bad for you. Yeah. But yeah, they declare no man left behind by any means necessary. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just the masculinity in this room is yeah. not very high. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not very high. Yeah. Bless their hearts. Choir kids talking about military movies. I, sweetheart. Yeah. Yeah. It, it ain't. <laughs> that ain't it. Mm. Anyways, in the next yeah. scene, Rachel barges into the show for the first time in like 20 minutes. It's great. Yeah. You would Bless. think that like considering that the opening, like act one, 
the pre-title card sequence was about her, you would assume it would then carry forward to her being the A-plot, but it has taken her this long to be here in this episode. Amy, that is a gift and a blessing. Yeah. Not a great character, is she? No. No. <laughs> Excellent. So I don't have to feel bad about her suffering for any reason. Exactly. Mm. Great. A- absolutely. Excellent. <laughs> don't threaten me with a good time. So... <laughs> <laughs> Rachel shows up with Kurt. She apparently she vowed uh, off screen that she was only going to be speaking before her audition if Will and Kate got pregnant, Liza passed, or one of her and Kurt were in danger. And Kurt is immediately concerned that something happened to Liza. Yeah, and then it's no. Rachel just tells Kurt that she thinks that he's in danger for trying to do something new by singing "Not the Boy Next Door" for his audition for musical theater college and. She says, I think this is self-sabotage, and you should sing Music of the Night because it's your song, and you've been doing so well. And this is when I just put in my notes, don't listen to Rachel. (laughs) Don't listen to Rachel Berry ever, because he's, like, doubting himself, and Kurt deserves better than that. (laughs) Honestly, I was way too focused on his bow tie in that scene. (laughs) (laughs) My note here is Rachel's like, I'm singing Don't Rain on Parade because I've been singing it since I was four years old and I know it backwards and forwards and that's why you should sing Music of the Night. It's important to note that, yes, we have seen Rachel sing Don't Rain on My Parade in the first season. Kurt has never sing mm-hmm. Music of the Night. In fact, I don't okay. think they've ever sang a song from Phantom before this episode. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. I assumed that that was just continuity that I would not have had, but okay, so it is just nothing. Yeah. Yeah. It is just nothing. Great. And then Rachel's like, in order to motivate you to keep singing music of the night, I will be your Marie. Christine. Christine. Why did I write down Marie? That's a, who's Marie? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's my middle name. <laughs> That's the baker's wife with the baguettes. That's not a character from Phantom. <laughs> <laughs> they already did West Side Story. That was earlier this season. <laughs> um, at this point, I should mention that while I was watching this episode, it was like 11 p.m. and I hadn't eaten dinner yet, so... <laughs> Tanner! Ah, so you're just hungry for baguettes. I really needed some baguettes. <laughs> for provincial town. Good morning, Belle! <laughs> Good morning, monsieur! Okay. <sighs> we've, we've been avoiding it. We have to get to this next scene. <laughs> yeah. I hate it. <laughs> I just wrote, oh shit. Because we cut immediately from don't listen to Rachel Berry ever to... The five other girls performing Cell Block Tango. Cell Block Tango, everybody. Cell Block Tango from Chicago. And it's already, t- yeah. I feel like, and I also feel like this this little two-verse version of the Cell Block Tango, which is a long song, by the way, mm-hmm. for Glee. Mm-hmm. It, like, they're really taking a lot of notes on this one from, like, the costuming and the cinematography from the 2002 movie version of mm-hmm. Chicago, mm-hmm. I feel. Which, mm-hmm. by the way is fantastic is absolutely one of the best like movie musical adaptations mm-hmm. but like yeah and that's that's a sexy that's a sexy song that's a sexy version especially to take inspiration from and these are teenagers yeah they do two verses of the cell block tango yeah while all in lingerie in the official release they add in the uh, a third verse they had the Mormons verse in the, in the official release, but that was it. So they still only officially sang half the song. Yeah. In the episode, it's the it, it's the bubblegum one, it's pop, and then it's also, mm-hmm. he ran into my knife ten times. Yes. And I will say mm-hmm. that the gif of Santana wiggling her fingers did have lesbian tumbler in a chokehold during that year. <laughs> oh, yes. You know, you take what you can get. 
<laughs> Trust me, they were. <laughs> Honestly, my favorite part about this musical number is that Tina gets a solo. <laughs> Tina gets a solo! Because <laughs> they never give her anything good. And I think she did a good job. My favorite part of Cell Block Tango, I do like the song, not because it's good, but because do 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 it's Rory Watch. He... <laughs> He, he shows up to do a... This was when he was still a little bit of a little Irish boy. He had not been on Dancing with the Stars yet. He str- struggles to lift Naya Rivera up and spin her around. He walks like he has no joints in his limbs. <laughs> <laughs> and then he gets impaled. Annie, he was the other winner of the reality show of How to Get on Glee. Ah, I see. Yeah. But the the important thing about this is that Beast and Roz and Sue are watching this, and while they're watching it, mm-hmm. it's intercut with flashbacks to Beast like having dinner with his husband Cooter a few nights ago. And we do see like Cooter start yelling at him and eventually hitting him, and Beast has to mm-hmm. see himself out of the auditorium. Because he's got PTSD. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, that's the part that especially seems like it's very much inspired by, like, the 2002 film adaptation of Chicago, because it intercuts with, like, these very differently shot real-life sequences. Mm-hmm. And after the musical number, Coach Sue and Coach Roz tell the they tell the girls, like, you guys, like, yeah, that was, like, an okay performance, but you completely missed the point of the assignment for this week. <laughs> Quote, you girls are cray-cray. It's the 2000s in here, folks. Very 2000s. Yes. <laughs> I mean, like, I, 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 you know, I appreciate them actually just being like, why did you choose what? This isn't remotely the assignment and you just did like sexy murders. Doesn't actually say anything about domestic assault. Yeah. But also like, why did you let this number continue this long? I don't know. This, this is a diegetic one. You can just stop it at any time. Yeah. I feel like the moment that the girls walked on stage in lingerie, you maybe should have said something. Yeah. Like, hey, you're teenagers. Yeah, turn around, put some pants on. Well, that hasn't stopped them before. (laughs) Yeah, what is that? Yeah. So, yeah, Beast has PTSD, and when the other teachers finally pursue him, he actually does tell them what happened. He gives context to the flashbacks, and he's like, yeah, he hit me. Mm Mm-hmm. And... This is honestly a part that I like a lot because after having, you know, made haha jokey jokes about how well those teens are really out of touch, coaches Roz and Sue immediately pivot and they're like, uh, that's terrible and we're going to get you out. Sue immediately says, you are going to stay at my house tonight and we're going to get you out of there. And if you don't have clean clothes, then I will- I'll make a fat joke about it. Yeah. 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 It's weird how these how these characters are meant to be like showing support to each other but still because it's a te- it's a television program have to throw in some really shitty jokes while they're doing it. It kind of undercuts the uh the feeling of moral and emotional support. Yeah. This is like all of those randos on Twitter who think that the way to make friends with people on Twitter is by making mean jokes about them Hi, yes. and to them. Over-familiar, playful rudeness. Yep, Love yep. it every time. Yeah. And the thing is that, honestly, 
the beast actor gives like a good performance here which is wild because again this is like this is a scene where the dramatic beats like the the scale of of drama just pivots wildly between like comedy and tragedy Mm -hmm. in here and Mm -hmm. we have swung Mm -hmm. fully over into tragedy and beast is like he looks earnestly upset he's like i am Mm -hmm. terrified Mm -hmm. that no one else would ever have me if I and like mm-hmm. he didn't mean it, he was mm-hmm. so sorry mm-hmm. afterwards. He apologized and like that is again. It suddenly digs up this little morsel of good acting and like and a good tone mm-hmm. to take mm-hmm. with this subject. But then it also just kind of tosses it back out the window a second later, so we can do something else that's wacky. Yeah, yeah. We cut then to puck cleaning one of the local pools that he cleans for his after school job and he tells the cougar who owns the pool that he's gonna drop out of high school early so that he can head west and set up his pool cleaning business in california which is his post-graduation plan okay so set the stage for me really quick this is just somebody's Mm -hmm. backyard right yeah yes Okay, that does make the way the scene ends even more confusing. But okay, so this is just like, and, and I mean, he's just he's just hitting her on the side. She's like, you want to go to the pool house and have a quickie? He does this all the time, Annie. Amazing. <laughs> this 35-year-old man. Yeah. Yeah. Also, that swimsuit lady, damn. <laughs> is it like she leaves and then he turns around and says, damn? Yes, yeah, he leaves. That. He even takes off his aviators to do it. <sighs> He just turns to, like, he he looks at, like, stage left, and he's like, Dad? Yeah. Has this come up before? No. Is this brand new? This is the first time we're hearing of this? We've had a little bit about how, it was mostly in, like, season one about how Puck's dad is a deadbeat. Okay. Who was a terrible role model to him growing up, because he wanted to break the cycle and be a good dad to his daughter, who was adopted by Adina Menzel. <laughs> what? Yeah. Okay. So it, it's it's been kind of established in the past, but you know it's Glee, so it's not a wonderfully pre-established plotline. Okay, great. Yeah, but that's just where that scene cuts. Yeah. Yeah, it cuts to a heist. Yeah, a beautifully drawn plan of attack. <laughs> a whiteboard heist plan. I I love it. <laughs> I think it's great because it's all of the guys except Kurt and Puck in the Glee room, and Finn has drawn a battle plan. For how they're going to, I don't know, kidnap Puck and force him to study. Finn has established that Sam is going to be the driver. So he's going to be waiting in the car. And yes, he can mess around with the music in the car. Also, they're planning this heist around a pool that Puck is scheduled to arrive at by 2. So we should get there at 3.30. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I, th- I think that's a fun touch that, you know, that's yeah. Puck. <laughs> the plan does also involve... It gets cut off before it can totally get into this. But it does involve the kid who is a wheelchair user throwing himself and his entire wheelchair into the deep end of a pool. So... Oh, that happened already, Annie. <laughs> no. Yeah, he hurled himself already yeah. hurled himself into a pool as part of Will's proposal to his fiance. So this is just a regular thing. They're just like, please throw yourself into a pool. Yeah, wheelchair and all. Yep, I'm gonna see if I can find the picture. It seems like he's got some pretty noodly arms. I don't know how his stroke is. Yeah. Not great. Uh, uh, um, Blaine is hiding behind a bush, but the way Finn drew it, it looks like a bear. And Rory suggests it might be a shrub. Yeah. 
And then, God bless him, Sam Evans is like, what's the difference between a shrub and a bush? Uh, well, Santana had a sexy dream about a shrub, but not a bush, so. I mean, I feel like there'd be a lot more to talk about if she had a sexy dream about a bush, but... <laughs> Wait a second, was that the joke they were trying to make last season? Maybe. And they just, and they just didn't, they just didn't know the term. <laughs> I mean, that's entirely possible. Surprise, Gwyneth Paltrow didn't correct them. That's neither here nor there. Puck arrives. <laughs> yeah, they don't have to do a heist. Yeah, he's just here now. He's shell-shocked and he explains the dad situation that we then flash back to. And he's offered a six-pack from the, the failed microbrewery his dad was trying to start called Puckerman's Special yeah. Sauce. Yes, delightful. It's just, I mean, he just walks in and he's like, I haven't seen my dad in five years, which is... Again, a wild pivot from let's do a wacky heist to get our friend to study for school. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen my dad in five years and he wanted to borrow money for rent and I gave it to him and he's an actor who's like maybe about three or five years older than me. Yeah. 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 It's like I knew I just had to give him money because otherwise, because if I gave him $500, then I would never have to see him again. Oh, you beautiful sweetheart, that's not how deadbeats work. No, no. It's just, like, I haven't experienced this myself, but, like, I can understand wanting someone to get out of your life because they have no relationship with you anymore and you don't want to have a relationship with, with them anymore. But it's just, like, he's just gonna keep coming back for money until you move to California and completely break contact, Puck. It's true, buddy. <laughs> You gotta block that number, pal. Also, how did he find you? I have no idea. This is just somebody's house. Did yeah. he just hop the... How did he get here? Maybe Puck's dad called Puck's mom. I don't know. And you know, and you may be wondering, what does this have to do with studying for geography well? Yeah, he... He comes up with this, like, this, this hackneyed, like, and you see, my dad also dropped out of high school. So I can't be like him. I have to pass European geography. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. howdy. And then they go, never leave a man behind. You're doing it. You're Good job, fellas. Yeah. Buddy, you can just get a GED later. Yeah. Listen, do try to graduate high school in the standard time. But if you don't, that's not the end of the world. No, you can, you yeah, can yeah. get a GED. These things exist. Yes. My they friend do. did. He's fine now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Christine, do you want to take this yeah. next scene because you were texting me in all caps last night? Yeah. We cut to it's audition time. Kurt is in the wings of the theater in the dumb phantom costume. And Rachel, who is costumed as Christine, comes over and offers him a spritz of throat coat that she's keeping in a perfume bottle. And she tells him that Carmen Thibodeau, who is the fancy dean from musical theater college that they're trying to get into is here. The Carmen Thibodeau. The Carmen Thibodeau, played by Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony Award-winning actress, star of the Sister Act 1, the Sister Act 2, and Theodore fucking Rex. Thank you! Is Whoopi goddamn Goldberg. <laughs> it's Guinan, y'all! Guinan's here! <laughs> How many billions of dollars were they offering her to come grace this trash pile of a TV show with her yes. presence. And y'all, she had spoilers. She's got like five lines. And they're building this up as like, oh my God, she can sing, she can dance. And it's like, is Whoopi Goldberg going to sing and dance? 
Is Whoopi gonna sing and dance? She, no! She, she is not. We we never actually see her sing or dance on the show. But the fact that she will be a recurring character through, like, next season and the fifth season, I think is, no. uh, like, an achievement for the show itself that they got her to stick around. They underpaid their actors so they could afford having Whoopi Goldberg well, they, they, in this they show. They would have had to pay her full price, because I highly doubt she was doing this as a favor to Ryan. You know what? You know what? You know what? Here's ha- here's no. what happened. Here's what happened. Whoopi Goldberg's agent, who negotiated Theodore Rex poorly for her, uh. comes back and he's like, Whoopi, Whoopi, listen, just give me one more chance, Whoopi. Listen, <laughs> listen, I'm going to do so good for you. I'll, I'm going to treat you so good, Whoopi. Just let me just negotiate one more show for you, Whoopi. And she's like, all right, fine. And then he's like, you'll never guess. What recurring role I got you on Glee, America's favorite television show. Oh, no. Eddie, I think you're terrifyingly close to the truth. <laughs> let me, listen, Whoopi, baby, just take me back. Just let me do one more thing. <laughs> let me just negotiate one more show for you. I swear it'll be a good one, Whoopi. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, Goldberg, who does not fly on planes, traveled on a fancy bus from New York yeah. to Los Angeles in order to film her scenes. You know what? I would take the fancy bus. Absolutely. I love a fancy bus. Same. I would take a fancy bus. Same. Do you know how many times I tried to convince my friend group to b- book a party bus to take us to Edmonton for the anime convention? <laughs> that would be so much fun. <laughs> Exotic, distant Edmonton for the anime <laughs> convention. It is when you're coming from Saskatchewan. <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> Visit the mall. <laughs> Keep visiting the mall. You will never leave the mall. Get lost trying to traverse the bridges and your driver friend has almost has an aneurysm. It's big mall, y'all. Big mall. Big, oh big my mall. God. Anyway, Whoopi Goldberg is here because she only picks out the most specialist students to be in her brand new musical theater voice coaching program that she is beginning at Musical Theater College. The college for musical theater. Yes. Nyad. You know, like, nyad. Yeah. I, I definitely did, did just do the hands. Me too. Like, nyad. <laughs> I was swallowing my cough drop by the sixth. It's okay, it was almost gone. <laughs> but yeah, Kurt... Goes out to, like, start his audition. And again, he is in full costume. And he stands there and he introduces himself. He's, you know, like, hi, my name is Kurt Hummel. And I am here to audition with Music of the Night. And he looks at her and she's, I feel like she, like, raised a single eyebrow. And he's like, which you probably hear way too much. And, like, he's in full phantom costume and everything. Yes. And she says, like, yes, along with Man of La Mancha. No, the impossible dream from La Mancha. The impossible dream from La Mancha, yes. And being alive from company. Yes. And she's like, I hear so many people sing those goddamn songs. And he's like, Cool. Ah. That's why I've decided to actually sing the song The Boy Next Door. (laughs) Yeah. He he says psych and Mercedes and Brittany and Tina march on stage to be his backup dancers. I had my swans on standby. Yeah, okay, what is that line supposed to be? I want to think it's a reference to the musical itself. Yeah, I'm assuming he's quoting from the musical that it's from. But, like, why does he have backup dancers for... He's just singing a song. Ambiance. Hmm. Kurt Hummel. And he's got a full band! Because, look, Annie, when Rachel Berry asks for help, nobody helps. When Kurt Hummel asks for help, his friends help him. I see. 
And it turns out that the Phantom of the Opera costume that Kurt was wearing was a tearaway. <laughs> and he, he just, like, does a Team Rocket, like, grab the shoulders and just, like, tear the whole thing off. And then he's in a new costume with fancy gold pants and a black shirt. He wore two costumes, folks. He did. Look, Annie, he's gay and a theater kid, which I realize is kind of an oxymoron. <laughs> I mean, that, the, look, the Venn diagram is practically a circle. It's a hat on a hat. But also, he's a he's a gay theater kid in where? Ohio. How much money does he have? Oh, Ohio! <laughs> Lima, Ohio. The town which hated Glee more than the rest of the nation combined. <laughs> oh, fucking hot God. This is Midwestern Again. slander. <laughs> Annie. Annie. Roller rink mogul hush money. This is Midwest slander. <laughs> Will not stand for this. Oh. I know. I have to say up front that like, just going off the title of the song, Not the Boy Next Door, I thought it was going to be kind of like a, like a quiet and meditative number about how like, my identity is not what everyone thinks that my identity is, and that's giving me conflict, but I'm happy in who I am, and I'm going to be quietly proud of that. It's like, no, it's like an 80s dance yeah, number. And he just, he flips and stretches around the stage. This dude <laughs> climbs up on the baby grand. Oh, Annie, you should have seen him audition for the part of Tony in West Side Story, where he was playing on a jungle gym and and was doing drills with the size that Chris Colfer actually owns. <laughs> Huh. Yeah, no, this this song is, hey, it's a good song. It's a dope song. And it's sung with all the gusto oh, yeah. of, I just got out of my fraud marriage with Liza Minnelli and I'm gay. It is a very, like, it is also <laughs> very appropriate for the range that he is singing in. Yes. It very much yes. showcases, like, the, the range that this character is meant to have. He gets a very nice falsetto note at the end. Although, like, the mixing is also weird because, like, this is, this is a completely diegetic song. But there is nothing here that sounds like he's on a stage. There's no, like, echo from being mic'd. And that's the point when I realize that he's not mic'd. That kid does not have a laugh anywhere on him. No one on this entire show is mic'd ever. But and there's I, a it band. In, it infuriates me every time. There's a band on stage. There's backup dancers. This kid should have a lavalier on him. That's, he can't, yeah. there's a band. Yeah. No theater's acoustics are that good. I mean, they even have, like, they've got a guy in the booth with lights. There's a whole lighting routine here that they must have just come up with on the fly, but everything's on, and you're telling me that nobody hooked this kid up to a lavalier? His, he should have a laugh just pinned to his lapel. You can pretend, but it's like, it's the fact that, like, he sounds so even compared to the band. There's not, like reverb or echo or anything done in like post-production here to his audio so it just sounds like it's a studio recording that's happening while he's moving his mouth which i know that's actually what's happening but yeah. like yeah yeah we can pretend here for a second you can you can try to trick me a little yeah yep. yeah but yeah the, the song's real good mm -hmm. yeah. yeah absolutely no complaints about the choice and you know who else has no complaints is egot winner whoopi goldberg who says I congratulate you for taking such a risk today. I think you would have done Hugh Jackman proud. Would that we could all do Hugh Jackman proud. Yeah. Mood. And Curtis, you know, like, oh my gosh, Carmen Thibodeau, Oscar, Emmy, Grammy, and Tony Award, Whoopi Goldberg, just told me I did a good job. And so he thanks her and he thanks 
he thanks the girls and he thanks the band and he thanks the piano player and then he just kind of like tiptoes off the stage and Rachel looks like she has a mouthful of salt. <laughs> <laughs> like we cut back to her and her boyfriend has brought her flowers, which I guess she just has to hand back to him because yeah, she hasn't yeah. gone on stage yet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And she's like, I am a star. And Finn says, I brought you pink stargazer lilies. And he's like, go get him. I love you, honey. And she steps out on stage, introduces herself, you know. Hi, my name is Rachel Berry, and I'm going to sing Don't Rain on My Parade. And you just see Carbon Thibodeau raise just like one eyebrow, immediately clocking Rachel as a bass <laughs> And then what happens? Well, I don't Nothing. know, because my, my notes for this scene, it just says, Rachel's turn. Die, 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 die. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, they even have, like, light cues set up for this, like, dramatic light cue switches. <laughs> mm -hmm. And then she, she pops up on stage, like, she starts, she gets, like, a couple of bars in, and then the weird thing is that, like... What they eventually say is that she choked, but what she does is that she basically just stops. She doesn't even, like, yeah. stumble or, or say a different word. Oh, or, no, no like... she does. She, because she, she um, accidentally says, oh, she okay. says the, the second, the, the, the life's candy and the sun's a ball of butter. She says that twice okay. instead of the proper line. And then she realizes, and that's when she, like, mm -hmm. stops mm -hmm. and, like, puts her hands over her mouth, like, oh, good God, I've disgraced Barbara. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And she says, oh, I'm so sorry. I'll, I'll give me give me another try. I'll do it another time. And because, Annie, you mentioned, like, the lighting cues of having people in the booth. I have to imagine that they were like, we can enact our revenge on Rachel Berry <laughs> for making us do so many lighting cues on the stage for single numbers that she wants to sing to Poor her boyfriend. auditions and shit. Come on. They dim the lights on her a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, because she like she starts again, she chokes again, and then she's like, "No, let me do it a third time." And Whoopi's like, "Nah." Yeah. And then everybody else clears out and she's just standing on the stage, and then the booth guy shuts off the lights on her. Leak. Whoopi Goldberg says, "Do you know what happens when you forget the words on Broadway? They give the role to your understudy." And I made an image manipulation to commemorate this event, which I'm going to post in chat. Okay. Everyone else will see it on Twitter when the episode yeah. airs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there is some delicious schadenfreude in here. Yeah. Uh, and she's she's begging and she's going, Pleak! Pleak! <laughs> please! 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 Let me sing! <sighs> it's delicious. I love it. Feed it to me like grapes. <laughs> I was just like sitting there just like cackling menacingly to myself and I think I spooked my cat because she was like, what? I don't like this laugh that you're doing. <laughs> and she left because I was just like. <laughs> oh, so you did full on maniacal cackle. <laughs> I did because Annie, this is the second time this season in which Rachel Berry has faced consequences. She has learned from neither of them. Excellent. But I just like seeing it happen. You know, I can respect that. <laughs> the first that. time she tried to rig an election. <laughs> I can really respect that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyways, Rachel has died. Moving on. We go to the, yes. the studying choir room. The choir room study party where Roy is there. He asks, what's the biggest city in Ireland? To which Puck shouts, Blarneycock! <sighs> yeah. And we should mention that they're here doing like a lock-in because you can see that it's dark outside. So presumably they're shooting this at like... 
3 a.m. <laughs> yeah. Well, even Puck says, guys, come on, it's three in the morning. To which Artie's like, oh, that's wonderful. We have nine hours left for you to cram. And then, yeah. okay, 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 okay. And then somebody asks about which region in Spain gets the most rainfall. And I sit up and I'm like, oh, no. No, no, don't, don't. No, you don't. Yeah. Do not, I swear to God, do not. Do not. No, yeah. no, no, no. And then, yes, ladies and gentlemen and everyone, friends, enemies alike, the rain in Spain stays mainly on the plane. I think he's got it. The rain faces mainly on the plane. And it's a weak-ass rock version. I hate this. It's a very high schooler's... At 3 a.m., they are still in the high school for some reason. They are so slap happy. They have had so much coffee and Red Bull. They are seeing new colors. It is terrible. And I just put in my notes, sure, why the fuck not? <laughs> I just, I don't, I hate, I hate this. Like, this is, this is what I mean when like, oh, I see the whole rest of this plot was laboriously written around this single point of singing the I rain in Spain up. stays mainly on the book. This is a song about diction and it's meant to sound silly and pompous and that's not what they're doing here. They're taking this this cover very seriously and I hate it. Annie, this was the song yeah. that initially sold you on guesting. I don't remember this. Yeah, that I have no memory of this place <laughs> and I hate it. In December of 2021. No! I, I gave you the Tanner! notes of episode 18. <laughs> I did this to myself! To which you say, a uh, punk cover. A punk cover of a song about Eliza Doolittle speaking sentences. I, good lord. Good lord! To which I reply, shall I pencil you in for that one? And you reply, yes, yes, I believe you should. Good lord! I did this to myself. <laughs> Oh my god. I have to go back in time and, 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 oh god. Oh god, I did this to myself. Going back in time, can you get me some Pokemon cards, Amy? I was going to be upset with one of you for not warning me, but you did! You had all the clues. I am Mr. Police! I had all the clues! God, <laughs> I'm so betrayed by my own hubris. <laughs> I hate this scene so much. <sighs> it's so bad. And it's just like, after they finish singing their lock-in 3am Red Bull punk rock cover, which I'm realizing now that in my notes I typed as puck rock, as in the character. <laughs> have you have you done that at all for the rest of this character and the rest of this podcast? Because how did you avoid it otherwise? Because it's usually not applicable. I don't know. This, yeah. Annie, this may shock you, but this isn't exactly a dude's rock kind of show. No. But the masculinity is so well understood. Yeah. Rory's tearing it up with maracas. Yeah. Heterosexually. He also, at the end, he sustains a headbanging injury. <laughs> oh poor Rory I have another note that says does this whip for anyone else or is it just me but I guess I'll I'll delete that one I'm sorry hon it's just you it's I don't know is it ironic I, I think what I'm the point that I was gonna make is 
it feels like they're trying to take the same approach to, and this is going to be an extremely niche poll here, but Reliant K's cover of the pirates who don't do anything uh, from VeggieTales. You know what? Yeah, no, I know exactly. Yeah. Yeah, like in the in the early aughts, there were so many like pop punk bands that would just do like straight up covers, which is basically just saying, okay, mm -hmm. so what slight variation on the four chord progression can we slap in here to a tune that we all know the words to? Mm -hmm. And look, I listen to a lot of Goldfinger and <laughs> Newfound Glory. I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> I think I actually still have a Newfound Glory song on my playlist too. <laughs> hey, listen, they had some bangers. <laughs> yeah. No shame. For me, the difference is like all of those like pop punk covers were generally coming at it from like a point of like enthusiasm. Mm -hmm. And this is just them yelling because the writers were like, hey, this is a song about geography, right? And like, and the thing is that, and it's weird because it's supposed to be about like the way that they're doing this is just resetting geography facts, but they also keep in some of the lines that are just like diction exercises. Yes. Which is weird because none of these people had Cockney accents to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, and, and yeah, no, it's just like, this is just, it, it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot going on here. And granted, the song that it's, it's, it's based on is not particularly musically complex either. No. <laughs> Related Reliant K's song about the Thundercats does in fact slap though. <laughs> oh God, I love that so much. They do so much good music, honestly. They're definitely one of the uh, Christian rock bands that actually feel like they're doing something interesting. I mean, heck, there's an AMV out there of their song Be My Escape for Kingdom Hearts. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> like, they, they have my allegiance. <laughs> <laughs> they had a song on the Ninja Storm soundtrack. Oh, good for them. Wait, Ninja Storm had a soundtrack? Yeah, I forget where it is, but I can, I can find and send you the link to the Power Rangers Ninja Storm soundtrack later. It's on YouTube. Power Rangers doesn't usually have, like, licensed music. <laughs> or is this more like an I album know. that's, like, songs, quote-unquote, inspired by? No, I think it's, like, I think they did an instrumental that was used as, like, a backing track. In oh, oh okay. an instrument. Yeah, no, I can definitely see an inst a Reliant K instrumental track used for, yeah, yep, 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 yep. Yes, the song Pressing On was featured in the Power Rangers Ninja Storm episode Looming Thunder, along with the song Trademark from Two Lefts Don't Make a Right. Hmm. Yeah, all right. Yeah. Ninja Storm is, is, is like, is that era? Let's, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, gently pivoting from Power Rangers back to <laughs> the domestic abuse storyline. Yeah. Yeah. We we cut to the locker room where Beast, I think Beast is doing some dumbbell curls. I don't work out. I don't recall. He might be eating a sandwich. I, I don't remember <laughs> what he's doing when this happens. Yeah, but Sue shows up. She makes another fatphobic joke, which isn't funny. Though she does say, oh, because Beast was supposed to move in with Sue or stay with Sue that night, but uh, he was a no-show. And Sue was like, I ruined a perfectly mm -hmm. good tent for nothing. And what am I supposed to do with these nine whole chickens in my fridge? And that second part is funny because Beast does canonically eat a whole chicken with every meal. Yes. Dope. Like an entire... Deli rotisserie yeah. chicken. Good, he's very powerful. Absolutely. And then Beast says that he was spending all of the previous night, he he forgot to call Sue because he spent all of last night moving in with his sister Denise, to which Sue responds, your sister's name is Denise Beast. Yeah. I feel like there was another part of the conversation there, but maybe Sue says that she's proud of him, but Coach Beast is like, that's not as hard as what I'm about to yeah, do. Yeah, because then we, we cut to him having another sit down with the girls. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And he actually, like, breaks down, like, my husband did hit me. Mm-hmm. And they're all just kind of, like, bewildered, like, you literally eat so many chickens. Yeah, one of them you was, like, suplexed did him he into next break day. his hand? <laughs> hey, what the fuck, actually? Well, that's Brittany, and Brittany is a reality warper. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I get where it's coming from, because they're just shocked because Beast is such a buff butch person mm-hmm. and they're all just kind of shocked like how did you not throw down and i think this was brought up before when beast was initially talking to sue and Roz that yeah beast is not a violent person beast doesn't like getting into fights and they're they're a gentle giant essentially and so that's why everyone's just kind of shocked like we didn't expect this to happen to anyone but especially not you because you don't seem like the person who would be able to take that and beast is like yeah i i get that but no one really tells you what to do in this situation a week, like you guys were all saying that you never thought your boyfriends would hit you. And a week ago, I thought the same of Cooter. So I would just mm-hmm. didn't know how to proceed. Yeah. And the students are even like, well, he seems like such a nice guy, your husband. And he's like, yeah, he seems like that. But it's complicated. This is, yeah. we're trying to, we're trying to wade into what are extremely complicated, like, very murky waters when it comes to identifying domestic abuse. Mm-hmm. And like, I think Tina even mentions like, "Are you going to press charges?" <laughs> Which is that's, that's correct. And I think correct. That's a whole other thing of legal. <sighs> yeah. Yeah. And like Dot Marie Jones, who plays Coach Beast, she is acting her ass off. <laughs> Yeah, again, like, a really good performance for this sequence. Like, like this actor is definitely giving this performance the the emotional depth it requires in a very, very silly setting. Yes, absolutely. But then he's also like, and you girls saved my life by singing a shitty version of the Cell Block Tango that gave me traumatic flashbacks. Thank you. Yeah. What? <laughs> come, come, come again? Yeah. How did that work? Yeah. How how did that how did that how did that how did that fix anything? I don't know. Glee. You, you, you just, are you just contractually obligated to tie it back to the songs that happen being important for the dramatic beats? Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Puck is in his European geography final next. He's drawing his Godzilla OC Pugzilla on the test. Oh, that's an OC? That's, yeah. He likes to call himself Pugzilla. This Rock T-Rex? This Rock T-Rex, the Pugzilla. Bless. Bless. And then he sees his his boys, his his dudes are outside spying on him. And and then the teacher's like, hey, eyes on your own paper. And he's like, oh, okay, maybe I should actually do the dang test. Mm -hmm, And hey, mm -hmm. the, the (laughs) the first question is, which area of Spain receives the most rainfall? The plains. Uh huh. And he even like sings it in his head. He's like, the plane, the plane. And then there's like another song. There's another line that references another line of the song. Yeah, which counties in England are least likely to receive severe coastal weather or something like that. Now, here is the joke in this episode that really worked for me. They do two of these. <laughs> then he gets a third question and he's like, that wasn't in the song. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, it was like. There were two, and he's like, oh, wow, the song is helping. And then it's like, what was the capital of the Austro-Hungarian Empire? And he's like, oh, no. Is that still geography? Was any of this test geography? I don't know. I don't know. That seemed to be about meteorology, actually. Yeah. As as someone who is canonically terrible at geography. (laughs) (laughs) Like, 
just don't know. Yeah. It also looks like he's looking at a sheet of paper that he's done a lot of doodling on that's like five like medium sized questions. And then like he does two questions. He's been drawing a lot. He doesn't know that one. And then the test is over. And then it turns out that that was like five questions out of like what? Uh, At least a two or three page packet. Yeah, there were staples. This is a final? It's supposed to be a big test. Like in the show, I think they're in like April, late April at this mm-hmm. point. And also like, why wasn't this a Scantron? Yeah, like these are, these had like essay questions. Like there was room to like diagram something out. But, like, this this clearly seems like the kind of thing that should have been a Scantron or, like, something. Yeah. This definitely seems like, in the way that they were talking about it, this was supposed to be, like, a final exam or something. Yeah. And, anyway, he turns in his test and then he goes outside and his, his cheer squad is there. And they're like, how'd it go? And he's like, well, I did my best. No, you didn't. No, you didn't, honey. But then he's also like, you know... It's hard growing up without a dad because you don't have any male role models. But you guys showed me what it means to be a man by singing a musical number about diction instead of studying for my geography test. Yep, even you, Gay Blaine. <laughs> yeah. And he says, you're all my dads now. Bring it in, guys. Bring it in, dads. <laughs> because when you're in Glee Club, you're all a father figure. <laughs> Put your loving hand in mine. As long as it's not Will. Again, while to tie back studying for a geography exam to I lack a father figure in my life because of difficult issues with my biological parent. Absolutely wild. That's glee. <laughs> Almost as wild as what's about to happen. Yeah, so it's um apology song time. <laughs> and it turns out that the glee girls called Coach Beast to the choir room so they can sing an apology song because they were like, wow, we are really sorry for singing a song that accidentally triggered your post-traumatic stress disorder about being abused by your husband. And so we're going to sing the song Shake It Off acapella stool choir style. Yeah, we we got a Florence and the Machine song, folks. Yeah, it's, I think it's good. Ah. Even if they do sing Shake It Out instead of Shake It Off in the chorus. <laughs> it's weird because it's, sure those it's are the a much though. breathier. Are they? Uh, uh, it is Shake It Out. Huh. Yeah, you might be thinking of the of the Taylor Swift song. <laughs> because I was describing this to John and I was like, and then they sing Shake It Off by Florence? Uh, shake It Off by Florence? And you're like, you mean Shake It Off by Taylor? It's like, no, 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 Florence, like, shake it off, shake it out, shake it off, shake it out, wow. And he's like, no, so you don't mean, like, shake it off. And he does the hands, shake it off. Correct. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Like, I, I feel like there could have been, it, it's weird to hear a, like, gentle guitar and piano version of Shake It Out because so much of this song is reliant on these big, powerful drum beats. As is much of Florence, but like that album in particular and that song in particular. So I feel like it loses some of the triumphant feeling in this cover, but it's not like an insultingly like horrific experience to sit through like the Rain in Spain stays mainly on the plain punk version. (laughs) I have some fun trivia about this musical number before we talk about the plot happening around it. Yeah. 
So Jenna Ushkowitz, who plays Tina, revealed in the Glee Recap podcast that she and Kevin McHale, who plays Artie, the kid who uses a wheelchair, mm -hmm. she revealed that she and Amber Riley and Naya Rivera, they recorded a cover of Love the Way You Lie by Rihanna that they were supposed to be singing huh. for this part of the show, for this part of the episode instead. But then, like, they did the studio recording and everything. Really? And then I guess they went to film, and it hadn't been approved, so they switched to Shake It Out. And Jenna still has the recording of them singing it. No kidding. <laughs> Jenna, Jenna, please. I, I highly doubt you're listening to this podcast, but if you are, please, for the people. <laughs> for the people? By the way, of these girls sitting, when, if you are facing them... The one on the far left doesn't actually seem to sing during any of the ensemble parts, and I'm not sure when she actually sings during this song. Oh yeah, Sugar can't sing. Why was she there? Because she's because she joined the Glee Club. <sighs> okay, so Sugar can't sing, so she auditioned for the Glee Club anyway, and she was the first person who was ever not allowed to join the Glee Club off of her audition, and she was so angry that she got her dad, who is not a mafia don, to start a different show choir in the same school, and he hired Adina Menzel, who is Rachel's biological mother and the adoptive mother of Puck's okay. biological daughter, okay. to coach that okay. Glee Club, and then uh -huh. Santana and Mercedes uh -huh. and Brittany had a mutiny, uh -huh. and they joined the other Glee Club uh -huh. as well, and they became the Trouble okay. Tones, and then they competed the against right. the main yeah. Glee Club in sectionals, but okay. they lost, which was bullshit. Oh, you gotta go to regionals. And then Quinn showed up and she was like, hey girls, we mm -hmm. have an offer for you. We're gonna fold the Trouble Tones into the new directions and you guys will be guaranteed be one song every competition stage. Mm -hmm. And Sugar can come mm -hmm. too because she's technically part of the Trouble Tones. And now Sugar's okay. just in the club, even though she doesn't sing. So she sits on the stool like everybody else, even though she doesn't actually participate? Yes. Yes. Huh. Why not? Mm-hmm. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Evil Glee Club. Sure. There's so many evil glee evil clubs. sexy glee club. There's so many evil glee clubs. <laughs> it's a whole cottage industry. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Dark glee. Yeah. Grim dark. Grim dark glee. Glim dark. Is this anything? Yes. It's everything to me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, there is actually a plot point in this. Yes. Yeah. Which is like as Coach Beast is sitting there crying at the show of support from the from the girls we see coach beast returning to his home carrying like a hard-sided briefcase or something yeah why does he have a briefcase i don't know i had some concerns about it but then we see that apparently coach beast gave his husband a second chance yeah because he just sits down to dinner and his husband's like thank you honey for giving me a second chance so i guess he lied about moving in with his sister yeah is the implication there? Yeah, but I the brief. The, yeah. the, it's it's weird because the camera focuses on the briefcase and it's like, what's in the briefcase? Is it Marcellus mm -hmm, Wallace's mm -hmm. something? Is it divorce papers? Is it divorce? <laughs> what's in the briefcase? I, I think the implication was just that Beast had left for the night, but decided to return. Okay, I wasn't sure if it was saying like he only left for the night and then came back later, or if it was just an out and out complete lie. So. I think that, mm -hmm. I think you have the correct read on that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's hard to tell. Yeah. The important thing is that it's rough and it's sad. Yeah. And especially because, you know, it's like, like we, I think we talked about this earlier, but you know how it's like, again, I don't have personal experience, so I'm just going off what I've read about. But like a lot of times when you, when you are in an abusive relationship, it takes multiple attempts to leave your situation, to leave your abusive partner. <laughs> It's a so, big, like, messy, complicated thing. Yes. And 
like happened in the regionals episode this season like it's a surprisingly like realistic and genuine portrayal which is unexpected but not unwelcome in glee does that make sense yeah and that and what i keep coming back to though it's like this is parts of this are good but does this program have the dramatic chops to do it justice overall i don't know Mm -hmm. it's the difference between glee and like friday night lights Hmm. i think i haven't seen friday night lights but that's the comparison that my brain is going (laughs) to connect (laughs) again is this a lost.jpg yeah is your silly gamer comic doing a story about miscarriages yeah and have you proved that you have the chops to tackle that? Are you going from zero to loss? I think other than the song aspect, it does well, like, especially considering that they do come back to this plot in a few episodes, like, mm-hmm. things are resolved. Hmm. Okay. So I don't know if you want to watch another episode of Glee, just so you know how it happens, but... <laughs> oh, I'll just take your word for it. Okay. I'm happy doing that. We can we can spoil it for you if you want. Yeah. Emily can cut it because I, uh, Emily's an yeah, editing all right, angel. All right. So how do do they? How's it go? How's it go? Actually, now I have to remember because it's been a while since I saw that episode. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't remember exactly how, but the part that I remember is that hell yeah yeah is, is there is there like a good like lead up to that revelation? I think so. Okay. Anyway, we are so close to the home stretch on this one. We're so close. Okay, we so are. Kirk comes up to Rachel and he's like, hey, Carmen Thibodeau's a bitch. And Rachel's like, no, she's not. She was right. I'm terrible. I just put down good. <laughs> Rachel Berry should have to work for something for once in her goddamn life. <laughs> and like, she walks off from the conversation sadly. And I, what I have in my note here is, wait, oh my God, no, is there, is there going to be? Oh no, there's a fourth song. I think this is like the sixth song. <laughs> got a sad song about being sad is this what it feel like to cry yeah it's it, it's a very like melodramatic number it's cry by kelly clarkson who is better than <laughs> liam michelle but that kind of goes without saying and puck bombs yeah yeah, yeah we also it's... we also briefly cut to the adult man failing his test he didn't even get a d minus which yeah. he needed he got he got a straight up f probably because he answered two questions yeah yeah we also see, like, Finn hugging Rachel while she cries. And I just wrote, I think it was while we were seeing Rachel singing on stage. And I just put down, she opens her mouth so much. <laughs> and then that's the episode. The episode is over. Episode over. And I have two bits of fun trivia, or three bits of fun trivia. I'd love to hear it. First off is that, Annie, I'm sorry that you couldn't see Diana Agron perform in Glee for what it's worth, but it was because she was in France Uh auditioning for the movie The Family, which is about a mob family and witness protection. I got to see it in theaters. Huh. Okay. Yeah. And this is the third time that something bad has happened to Rachel Berry in the 18th episode (laughs) of the season. Really? The Glee Wiki was keeping track because in the first season, episode 18, mm-hmm. she got laryngitis, she lost her voice, she did a terrible cover of Miley Cyrus's The Climb. Uh-huh. In the second season, they were doing dance practice and her boyfriend's errant elbow broke her nose. Wow. And so that episode's plot was about whether she was going to get a nose job mm-hmm. or not. And this episode, uh, she failed an audition. Amazing. And uh, I don't think she's involved in the 18th episode of next season because it's going to be a very 
a fraught episode for multiple reasons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ominous. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Also, this this episode yeah. earned Dot Marie Jones a primetime Emmy nomination. No shit. Yeah. Which is correct. Which is deserved. She, she didn't win. I don't know who won, but glad she got nominated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, okay, okay, just hang on. Christina, going back to your note about Love the Way You Lie. So who was going to sing the rap part? Who was, who was Eminem? Who was that going to be Eminem <gasps> out of these girls? Oh, no. Would it be Santana? I think Naya can they? rap. Probably, yeah. I don't think they ever Eminem'd on Glee. I would have loved to see it. Just as the, 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 yeah, but they didn't the dancing bear of it all. Jenna released Jenna the tape. Released, please. released the illegal Glee <laughs> tapes, the songs, the secret tapes. The secret Glee. Look, I just, I would pay so much money for just like a zip drive that past Glee members would just like put bits and like tea <laughs> on. Like there's a documentary, quote, documentary that's supposed to be out sometime about like, wow, this is what it's really like behind the scenes. And it's like, no, I just want to. I just want to see the cast sit down and talk about what it was like working with Ryan Murphy and him in his little weird yellow hat. (laughs) But yeah, that's the episode, y'all. But it's not the end of our episode. That truly was Glee. It truly was Glee. And just like our shameless inspiration, The War from Grid, we have some end of episode bookkeeping. Annie, since you're our guest Mm -hmm. this week. What song uh-huh. do you want to give a gold star to? This is a good, a good, a good song. A good. What was your your favorite song? Yeah, I would say the uh, the not the boy next door was probably the best performance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Good, good choice. choice, Christina. I am gonna have to give mine to uh, "Shake It Out" just because I think I like that one better. I would listen to that on like a lo-fi remix on nice, YouTube. Nice. I love pain and I love cringe. So, <laughs> rain and <laughs> Spain. Rain in Spain, yeah. It's a good song to me. <laughs> and then outside of the songs, what was a moment you want to give a gold star to? I mean, I would probably say the thing that I thought was the most effective of the episode was definitely a Beast admitting to the other teachers that he was hit by his husband. I think that was probably the part that was the most effective part of the episode. Second would, like, that or simply the beat of, like, oh, I know this thing from the song. I know this other thing from the rain in Spain. That wasn't in the song. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I think the Beast subplot, just on its own, yeah, is also the most effective part of the episode. Mm-hmm. Christina, are you in the same boat? I do agree that it was great. Uh, however... I am not normally this otherwise, but when it comes to Glee, I can't be a petty bitch. <laughs> and so my gold star moment goes to Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony Award winning actress Whoopi Goldberg telling Rachel Berry that she's terrible. <laughs> because someone's gotta say it and it might as well be incredible person Whoopi Goldberg. Nice. So I'm sorry to combo break, but I had to award I had to award Rachel Berry getting a taste it's a of valid reality. Combo break. Okay. And Annie, what part of the episode do you want to dunk a whole slushy on? Uh, how can you even ask me that? <laughs> but you've got I had a breakdown. <laughs> I had a breakdown over the rain in Spain. I I I I reached through time <laughs> and did it to myself. And I said yes, and I I have a lot of thinking to do about myself <laughs> and what I'm willing to do to myself, and I, I, I just, I need to have a think. It's the Rain in Spain song. 
Yeah. yeah. Did it to myself. <laughs> Christina, how about yourself? <laughs> um, I'm going to make mine be... Can I just make a blanket statement of how the mean-spirited jokes felt especially mean-spirited in this yeah. episode? Ooh, yeah. Yeah. I want to share that one with you. Especially when it's it, like... Uh, yeah, it undermines the premise Mm -hmm. yes it's like look at us we're supporting victims of domestic abuse but also we're gonna make fat jokes and we're gonna make racist jokes it's real weird y'all yeah yeah and like you know it's bad when tanner and i are passing over the student tries to sleep with the teacher again (laughs) again (laughs) oh you just like you clamped it up and that wasn't even like the worst part Mm -hmm. but it's over now (laughs) yes I'm very excited for all of this to just slide out of my brain like pudding. Annie, I hope and pray that this happens for you. (laughs) That's the best part of any episode. But uh, speaking, Annie, of of yourself, Uh where would you like to be found? online. <laughs> well, you can still find me on the sinking ship that is Twitter at Anniezard, A-N-N-I-E-Z-A-R-D. That's basically, I'm squatting on there for now, but you know, Anniezard is kind <laughs> of the only thing that is connected to me on the internet in terms of usernames. So you can pretty much like look me up at that point. But if you want to see anything about the shows that I do, uh, such as the actual play Gem Jammer, the pop culture podcast, I Will Fight You, or the video series Otome Dating Sim Games, Date Me Damn It, you can find information about all of that at crookedrussiancam.horse or crookedrussiancam.gay. It's the old gay horse, as we like to call Excellent. it. Excellent. The old gay horse. Mm-hmm. Dot gay dot mm-hmm. horse. There, you know, if you really want to just be basic, you can do a dot com too. But I feel like the the gay horse spice just really enhances the experience. Yeah. Mwah. Mwah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that it is my turn to do the outro, uh, but I apologize that the, the intro is not loading for me. Our, our doc is not loading oh, for me, Tanner. Just do it. Uh, I can tr- I can try it off the cuff. Listener Like Me is a part of the Corner Podcast Network. We can be reached on Twitter at uh, Loser Like Me Pod. We have a Tumblr account, which is, uh, I think, I'm pretty sure it's Corner Podnet. If it's not, uh, it'll be correct in the episode description. Uh, you can also email us at loserlikeme at gmail.com if you are wanting to guest on an episode. We are, I think we're booked through the end of season three, but it's never too early to get in uh, guest submissions for season four. So I think we've got a pinned tweet that has the guest submission, or we can just send it your way if you're interested. Or like, if you're a mutual, just talk to us. You know us. Yeah, yeah. Next time? Next time it's prom night. Next time it's prom you don't night. Know you're beautiful. And <laughs> next time it's prom night. And I am excited to see how it's going to go for the most part. <laughs> I'm going to get real angry. I'm excited for both of you. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> um, but until then, three, two, one. Suck to suck, suck, Rachel! Even though she will actually end up getting into Niata, and Kirk does not get into Niata. Boo! I'm ending our recording. Yeah, same. Bye-bye. Just go ahead and grab a chair and listen now. As we riff the show, Tanner and Christina are gonna figure out why we love this show. Better grab your golden stars and slushies, cause you're listening. You're listening to Loser Like Me. Loser Like Me.
Loser like me.